like what you and I are into and what we're about to talk about, mm-hmm. it might not be for everybody. Like, right, trying I mean, to kill big deer. We're talking about hunting big mature whitetails. Yep. If you don't like it, sorry. Perfect. Welcome to another episode, everybody, of the Painted Arrow Podcast. We are coming to you from the Buck Cave today. We got a we got a guest in the studio, and we we're going to announce him in, in full glory. But first, we have one big announcement that we want to make, and Devin's going to help me on this. So, wow, putting me on the spot <laughs> a little bit, huh? So we have been working on a a small custom run that we are calling the Elite Series. Mag Pro, and Devin, take it away. <laughs> <laughs> so, so basically, like Nate said, it's a limited run, but we're doing like specific colorways. So, previously and currently, the Mag Pro Plus and most of our products are only offered in the the standard black that is like a, a matte or a textured finish. We did partner with the Hunting Public, and they have their own exclusive color. But we've decided we're going to start doing limited runs random releases not you know just going to announce it as as it comes um, but do like small batch releases of different colorways and they're going to be entirely custom one is not like the next is not like the next very manual process but kind of cool different finishes so we're like nate said we're calling it the elite series and yeah we'll just be periodically saying hey the next batch of the elite series mag pro pluses are now available on the website get them while you can because once they're gone they're gone and so i think you were going to say the first yeah so no it's very very important to say that no two are the same so these are all individually unique um the first batch is a small batch it's a batch of literally 25 pieces we have 25 units when this podcast goes live they will be on the website so if you want to get a very small one of a kind yes very small run very custom very cool color i'm actually running one of these on my bow and it looks pretty slick <laughs> what 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 camo is my bow do you know i don't even know yours is the first light um you got the first light uh specter, specter. Yeah. yeah so it matches the specter it really That's does what say. the tones match it's the specter slick for sure it's yeah. really sweet so check that out paintedarrowoutdoors.com elite series magbro plus that's going to be very fly very cool yeah. so all right so this is a that one hunt Episode number two. Episode number two. And we're really, really excited. We got Bobby Hart in the house. And Bobby, it's actually kind of a cool story. We, I had seen Bobby on a, a Midwest Whitetails episode. And we went to a show at the Mobile Hunters Expo in Michigan like a couple of, was it a month ago? Mm-hmm. Roughly. And Bobby had a booth right next to us. And he, he you have a drone business. Yes, sir. And, uh, as well as a YouTube channel. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So I don't know. Is there anything else, I guess, before we kind of get into the meat and potatoes Like, you want to introduce yourself yeah. in any way? Go ahead and introduce yourself and let people know who yeah, you are. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. My name is uh, Bobby Hart. Uh, I do have a YouTube channel called I Saddle Hunt. So that channel consists of kind of myself running around in the woods, self-filming from my saddle. I also do product, not really reviews, it's more or less if i'm gonna use something i will definitely show that company love and um yeah and their appreciation for 
that product. So it's more something like that with my channel. And yeah, like Nate said, I am also fortunate enough to be on Midwest Whitetail on their regional show, the Heartland show. I was on the Great Lakes show, but they are kind of condensing things and um, this show is evolving. So they gave a few team members the options of which way they were going to go in the future. And uh, I drew a Kansas tag this year, so I'll be over in Kansas, Wisconsin, probably Ohio as well. And uh, so, yeah, I'll be on the Heartland show. And then, yeah, I do have my LiDAR drone business. uh, We kind of specialize in thermal inspections, and we will have a thermal drone deer recovery services as well this fall. Yeah. In select parts of Michigan, let me say that. Select parts of Michigan (laughs) and Ohio. We are going to be down there as I'm hunting. I figured I'd be hunting some public land, staying at a campground, and then can do drone deer recovery at night. Yeah. So I I don't want to deviate too much from the that one hunt part of this episode, but like you're here, and this is I think this is like almost like a an update for news because this is not a common thing. It's also not something I even know anything about. It's new. Started you know shooting it a little out there. I didn't. Yeah. I hadn't really heard much about it. So can you, can you tell us a little bit on the, on the deer recovery aspect, like explain your drones, what they can do, like what, what are they, what they're capable of? Yeah. yeah. And then like the controversy, know, like what, what's going on? With yeah. yeah. Because when we, when we were talking at the show, I, I definitely, I felt a sense of like, you felt that there was a little bit of maybe unfair play unethical in, in the, the fair chase portion of the recovery. And I want to understand that more. Well, um, I guess it's more, not that the, um, anything can be abused, I guess, you know, just like poachers and whatnot, you know. So even with thermal drones, you know, that stuff can kind of be abused as well. But currently the way it states is that Michigan considers, the DNR has that, their stance is that it is illegal to recover a deer with the thermal drone due to, the law saying you cannot take an animal with a drone. The definition of take includes pursue and chase. Um, does not in, say anything about a carcass or anything of that nature. So that being said, in July of this year, I'm not really sure the date or not, I had read an article online that the drone deer recovery company out of Ohio has actually filed a lawsuit against the state of Michigan um, saying that they're, that's a violation of uh, our constitutional right. I'm, like I said, I'm unsure of the exact verbiage that they have with the lawsuit. But you just are merely saying there is a lawsuit. Yep, right. yep, yep. Right. And I imagine there will be some kind of decision. But as the way I'm able to operate, just real quick, is that I'm a registered tribal business out of Mount Pleasant, Michigan, in Isabella County. So well, the way that works is that I've registered with a few tribes within the state and since i'm a tribal business i'm able to operate within their federal reservation boundaries so that being said i will have a map up on my website lidardroneservices.com you know you will be able to it'll be an interactive map and will reflect the decision on that lawsuit you know i will have that all up to date so if anybody does end up needing that services within michigan as i said there are a select few places that we will be able to operate as it stands now so so for somebody who has absolutely no idea thermal imaging so like your drone can see heat yep so what thermal imaging is is actually seeing in the long wave infrared spectrum and that peaks uh, picks up heat signatures and the best way to kind of describe how that works with deer recovery is that the biggest question people have is how long will the um 
carcass, you know, how long were you able to see the heat signature of the carcass? And to be honest, depending upon the conditions, it can be up to a few days because the thermal science behind it is that the thermal capacity of, a, let's say, a deer carcass is its ability to hold and retain and emit heat. So mm-hmm. what that, to put in, I guess, to put in layman's terms, like the difference between a piece of bread um, and a, a Pop-Tart, and you put them both into the toaster when they pop up, we know that we got to get our butter on that piece of toast before it cools off because it's going to cool off pretty quickly. We also know that that Pop-Tart, not to take a bite into that middle of that because all that jelly and stuff like that's going to... That's the good stuff right there. And yeah. that's, that's what's going to burn your mouth. <laughs> so that being said, when it comes to deer recovery, the guts inside that carcass act like the, the jelly inside that Pop-Tart. That retains the heat, obviously. Yep. And the sun acts like that toaster. So even if a deer had died the night before, it lays out in the woods. If that's taking on some solar loading, sunlight throughout the day, it's warming that insides back up just like a toaster. Interesting. And so at hmm. even, and then in the evening, once the sun goes down, the surrounding environment releases its solar load from the day because the trees and the um, leaves, they take on solar loading as well. But that's like the toast. Yeah. It cools down quickly. Yeah. The the pop tart, the deer uh, laying on the ground is still warm, and so that's what the thermal drone can pick up is the heat, the heat signatures. So, like, how how many deer have you personally helped recover? Um, we're at about a dozen from last season. We were operating at the end of. I was actually on a wait list to get the DJI M3T, um, which runs a six forty by five twelve thermal resolution camera. That you can't get any higher resolution than that, no matter what drone model you have. Um, and, and you have like a, almost like it's not an iPhone, but it's the size of an iPhone. It's a display where you can see what your... No, I have a smart controller. Oh, you I do? I actually have the drone in, the, um, in, the, in my truck if you guys want to fire it up after the podcast and take I, a peek around. I'd love to see that, yeah. yeah. I really do. Yeah, I have, I have it with me. You know, so I could, just, I could show you better than I can tell you. Man, this is honestly like a whole other podcast, like you said. It is, yeah. Because so, we could talk about it forever. But Okay, but we, I, I really do want to talk about the... Like personally, okay, this cut through all the BS. Like, what do you think about the ethics of it? Like, is there a certain point in the recovery process where you're like, hey, yeah, definitely. This, I think that this like, doesn't jive. Once we find that if that deer is alive still, I like I wouldn't drop a waypoint and give it to the hunter and be like, okay, here he is and he's moving this way. You know, I think that, okay, once we identified that he's still moving, you know, say this is hours after the shot, obviously they, you know, would have given him time to lay down, hopefully, um, then they would have tracked them himself, you know, so we're speaking that if they called me out there, I have to imagine it has been hours, you know, so if we find that deer still alive, still moving, um, yeah, I would just kind of shut my operations down at that point and, um, yeah, not pursue that animal like that. So I guess that's where I would draw the line at. What do you think of that, Devin? I like that. I mean, I think that's the, the, I haven't spent enough time thinking about it, but I think the ethics portion is if you're using the tool to, um, take the animal, meaning the, the knowledge or the, the tool of the drone has allowed you to make another play that then resulted in the deer being killed. Yes. Yep. That that's like the gray area for me. If it's helping you recover something or find something that already expired, that's, that's a whole different ball of wax in my, in my opinion. So there's, there's definitely two sides to this, right? For sure. There's, there's, there's two sides to this. 
But yeah, I, I really want to dive into well, this. Well, I mean, there's even a whole other further. Like the state just ruled that like you can now, um, they can track with dog without the leash. You know, so hmm. they've been expanded, you know, that realm. So I imagine, you know, that um, this might have played out like a flood of people called in, like myself, because uh, my business is, I've done thermography, you know, prior to that. Like I'm a certified level two thermographer through Teledyne FLIR's uh, Infrared Training Center. FLIR is the world leader in thermal cameras. Yep. I mean, that's the Tic Tac UFO video that was filmed on that uh, Navy fighter jet. That yep. was a FLIR camera. Yep. So I'm certified level two and less than 25 people in the world are certified at level two at this point. They just unraveled or un, um, or just started their program for level two drone thermography last year. And I took part in their first ever class in Palm Bay, Florida in February. Um, so it took it to another level. So you've got some legit training. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. I, ha I have a level one and level two SUS thermography certification through FLIR, a level one electrical um, thermography certification. I'll be finishing up my level two at the end of October and flying out to Colorado in November to take my level three master thermographer certification. The fact that that is in the middle of the rut is just tells me how dedicated you are. To that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it is a huge thing. I mean, you know, the, the drone deer recovery is a, uh, is, is a cool thing, you know, and I'll definitely apply myself at that, you know, but we do a lot of more, thermal inspections on solar farms overhead power substations commercial roofs you know i'd love to sign a walmart or home depot deal so if anybody happens to be listening like that give us a call yeah <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that would definitely free up my time during the yeah, run yeah, yeah. yeah sign a contract like that so i'm not I, I haven't had a lot of time to think about this i really haven't me either but i'm just trying to i'm trying to put myself in that position like i just shot like a really nice animal right Wait, uh, did you guys hear my little pitch at the at the show i was like here you guys better take my card you never know you might have that 200 inch come out there yeah. and you get all shaky with your bow that's what right? i'm trying to say so like I, i'm really trying to think about this so like pretend we you just shot something yeah let's have two options mm -hmm. let's say you shot a 100 inch buck eight pointer okay let's say you shot a 200 inch buck 15 pointer yeah he's okay. got gnarly whatever right <laughs> yep i'm with you are you going to call, like, I, I just can't imagine if I'd call somebody with a, like yourself, right? Who has this, this, this thermal tool. drone tool. Yeah. I don't know if I would or wouldn't call on one or the other or both or not at all. What about if it was the buck that's right above your, that's right what I'm trying shoulder. to say. Like, I'm trying to, like, I don't have a formulated opinion, but I, that's, I think that's the question that leads to a lot of the. Or I guess maybe your your son or um, child's yeah. first deer, you know, something something like that. really important, right? Yep. And I guess the, you know there is even a pricing you know level to that as well. Um, I won't get into like that exactly, um, but I guess yeah, there's just going to be different levels to it. The the other piece is that when you start to battle with the ethics, like what if you start thinking about dog recovery? Like they're pursuing the animal, whether it's alive or dead. Yeah. How does that, how does it compare to? We're cool with that. And I'm pretty sure they can, um, like finish, ex like you do a kill shot at, like even at dark, um, like that would be totally off limits with the drone, especially hmm. the way it is now. That's messy. That's for, yeah, I'm not much more that. important people than me to <laughs> make that decision. <laughs> maybe, maybe we do need to do a follow up podcast yeah. at some point. And like, maybe once the ruling comes out yeah. that you're following, yeah. I'd love to maybe do a, 
a touch point after that, even if it's like a 20, 30 minute or just to check in. Yeah, no, no doubt. No doubt. It'd be long. I mean, good luck to those guys, man. That, that really would be awesome. I, you know, technology is evolving, you know, hundred percent. And I am on the, um, the side that like, you know, we should extinguish every Avenue that we can to recover an animal. Mm -hmm. Yep. So yeah, no, I'm, I'm intrigued a lot by that conversation. So, all right. So that one hunt, this yes. pe- we got a lot of really good feedback from the first episode of the that one hunt series yeah. that we're yeah. doing a lot of really good feedback a lot of people loved it uh, we had people write in notes like it was it was legit so not to hype it up but <laughs> i'm really excited to hear your story i know Devin is we've been really looking forward to this day um and i think it's gonna we're gonna get to know you better which is really cool for us too we get to meet different strokes different different people you know yeah i don't think we let him finish introducing himself either we kind of like got to what he does for a living and then that went on the sidebar (laughs) and i think we first met you at jay's sporting goods yeah and then we saw we ended up having a booth next to you at the the hunting mobile Hunters Hunters expo and we were like hey we've met and that that kind of all uh came together there but so you you operate uh, a youtube channel you hunt for midwest whitetail you um and then you're, you do your, your deer recovery and then thermal inspection. But I mean, is that, is there anything else you would say about yourself in terms of introduction? I just want to make sure we give you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just, you know, the man, I'm really about my family. Yeah. You know, just about my family. Um, you are right. That's what I do for a living is my drone company. Like I said, it's LIDAR drone services. And then I do have my YouTube channel. I saddle hunt and yeah, I really enjoy being on the Midwest Whitetail Show, you know, that's an honor. And uh, this actually, the hunt that we're about to get into is what kind of, I had applied at Midwest Whitetail and um, told them that I was hunting this deer um, and that I had been hunting this, this one deer. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to get him. <laughs> oh, really? So you told oh, yeah. them? Oh, that, yeah. And that's the story you As part share. of your application? Yeah. Yeah. Me and Josh Sparks were emailing So you were before. like, hey, here's this deer and I'm going to kill him. Yeah. Yeah. On film. Self-filmed. And when I do, I want to. No, not that. <laughs> <laughs> when I do, I want to. Yeah, but no, I, I literally sent them the picture. Uh, I had posted on Facebook today that I was coming down to your guys' studio and posted in like Saddle Hunter Nation Facebook groups and a couple groups and whatnot. And uh, yeah, no, post the pictures. I had pictures of them all throughout the summer. I had. I had seen them the season before. I mean, we can get out into this. We, yeah. let's, let's do let's do the the bit that we got to do at the beginning. Okay. Yeah. Right. So the beginning of this is what we call the hunter profile. Okay. And so it's just like seven or eight questions, rapid Basically, fire stuff. Okay. Yeah. It can be as long or short as you want, but we just I think it helps us, you know, to get to know who you are as well as the audience, obviously. So um, we're just gonna ro- roll right down. Through and we these. hate to interrupt too, but throughout the story, like we're gonna ask a lot of questions because we're curious. I mean, that's the whole point is the deep dive of understanding why how like what made you make that decision all those things so we're we're excited yeah this is this is fun so so how long have you been bow hunting and how do you get how did you get introduced to the sport i've been bow hunting since i was uh 16 years old um i was born in grand rapids michigan with my mom and my dad obviously but they had split up my dad was from chicago so he had moved back to chicago but when i was nine i asked if i could go live with my dad so my dad raised me from nine years old throughout high school, and he had always made it a point to still keep. I'm Native American. I don't think I mentioned that, but I'm full-blooded Native American. I'm half Ho-Chunk, and I'm half Saginaw Chippewa Ojibwe. And uh, he had always made it a point in our lives to go to Wisconsin, be a part of our culture, our language, our, um, I guess, ceremonies, quote-unquote, for lack of a better term. Um, it's more of a way of life for us, and uh, it's you know just something that had been done for thousands of years. And 
hopefully that continues, you know, with our children and whatnot. But yeah, no, he had made it a point for us to go to Wisconsin. So when we'd go up to Wisconsin, that was always a uh, thing. But we had actually been introduced because we'd go up there and do deer drives. And none of us, me and my two younger brothers, hadn't been hunter safety. So we got the 30 yacht stick. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was what we started, which was the 30 yacht stick. And they would drop us off on one side of the beautiful western Wisconsin uh, marsh and say, okay, you boys, you guys split up, beat down these sticks all the way through there and make noise. And wow. Yeah, no. So from there, um, I wasn't really a big fan of the 30 out stick. Uh, so I got in the hunter safety, mm -hmm. um, ended up getting my hunter safety card. And uh, yeah, my grandfather actually started us all, all of us um, on my dad's side. My grandfather started us with a uh, trad bow out at his house and um from there we had uh matthews are they're made in sparta wisconsin so toma wisconsin is like 15 minutes away and so there was just tons of stuff like that and um yeah ended up getting like a used matthews um or geez it wasn't even a matthews back then um yeah yep 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 it was a matthews this is a trad bow no, 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 no. This is a compound. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. my grandfather just got us started on a trad, trad mm -hmm. bow. I would, hadn't get, put an arrow in anything other than like a possum with that. Um, and that's, is that your method of choice? Uh, now it is. That's all I hunt with now. Yeah, for the past two seasons. Um, or, well, last year full, um, I had got it at the end of the season before. Yeah, but last year was my first year getting a whitetail with it. I got a nice, <clears throat> like, 120-inch nine-point with it. Yeah. yeah. I think I, was that a video that you made? No, no, no. I didn't get that one on video. That was kind of one of them things that um, it was either grab my bow or grab the video camera and, and hit record. Uh, and man, it had been a long season. Yeah. Yeah. It had been a long season. So I went ahead and grabbed my trad bow and uh, man, it was still cool. You know, I, it was a beautiful morning. Yep. And um, I had my eyes on a different deer and I still hunted that deer throughout the rest of that year. But uh, yeah, no, that's awesome. So yeah, since about sixteen, uh, since about sixteen, I'm forty five. So, so we twenty nine years. Twenty nine years, yeah, that's it's longer than I've been alive. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> same here. <laughs> the next question, I was going to say, you kind of answered it, but um, I'm just going to ask it. Uh, where did you grow up hunting, and how has your hunting style changed since then? Oh man, yeah, I got started in Wisconsin, um, and that was more like deer drives, you know, going out with the dad over there and family, and then. Um, as I got my first bow, I started hunting public land over there. Um, it was kind of before, you know, they had real organized tribal lands over there. They had a few housing developments but um, through my dad's tribe, Ho-Chunk Nation. But I really, my mobile hunting and archery hunting really, really kicked in when I came here to Michigan. Uh, hunting up on our reservation in Mount Pleasant, we have probably 6,000 or so tribal members. You know, obviously not everybody's above 18, but the ones that are, you know, just to give you an idea on the number. Well, our properties up there, we don't have like a whole res. It's not like you drive in a, and like, ooh, you're on the res. You know, yeah, technically you're on the res, but it is so, yeah, that we only have like little par parcels that's maybe like 120 acre piece here. You know, it has some ag on it, mm -hmm. 200 acre piece here, 80 acre piece here. Yep. So as I came here, I was used to like more of the swamps of Western Wisconsin, hunting over there, wandering around. And then as I came here and we were limited to these little pieces, um, I just was seeing tree stands everywhere, you know, so I started off with a climber and was doing things like that. And then even carrying like the 20 foot sectionals out there with like a hang on that type of thing. So, so you were almost forced 
because of where you lived and, and what you were seeing, you adapted to that, yeah, that kinda, new yeah. ground, basically. Yep, yep, yep. So you said you started, obviously, doing deer drives at the very, yeah, yeah. very core of where you started, but, <laughs> yeah. and you kind of evolved into the, the mobile. Yep, yep, and I don't even really hunt with a, f- a firearm. I mean, when I do, I have a muzzleloader, um, but last year I didn't even take it out at all. Uh, it's it, I, it's I just enjoy it, you know. And prior to last year, you know, I had been pretty successful with my compound. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. So, what bow are you shooting like right now? Uh, Hoyt Satori, and that's yep. a that's a traditional bow. Yep, yep, yep. It's just uh, I don't. They have like some um, speed limbs and stuff like that, but I just have the regular, the regular setup. Do you have? A favorite broadhead that you use specifically? Man, not really. I'm, 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 if anybody wants to send me some, they're more than welcome to. <laughs> but no, nope. Just, uh, um, I think I'm shooting a Magnus, the uh, Stinger, I believe. I really like those. Yeah. I really do. Um, I mean, man, it, it worked wonderful for me last year. I don't have any reason to, um, you know, change it. I had looked at a couple. Uh, like, I, I thought that that Lone Wolf Custom Gear one looked pretty cool. Um, but I had never pulled the trigger on trying them out. I was just going to stick with what flew good for me last year. Yeah. yeah. Would you say you have a favorite species to hunt? Yeah, whitetail. For sure? Yeah. I mean, I trap too. Uh, I enjoy that. I enjoy taking the kids out to go check our traps and whatnot, beaver and otter. I really like trapping too. It, it just, some about it, you, you get back to, like, I don't know. Everything that you're doing, you're just focused on it. And I yeah. think that's very similar with bow hunting, but it's like when you're out trapping, it feels very native and like, Man, this is what I was made to do. No, for sure. And I hadn't been trapping that long. It's actually my buddy, uh, my work supervisor's name, Chase Stevens. Super cool dude. Um, he's a Marine. Went over and fought um, in Afghanistan and Iraq. Did a few tours, but that was my supervisor working for the tribe. And part of us being, he was a natural resources specialist, and I was a natural resources technician for our tribe. And part of that was quelling the beaver population on tribal properties because man sometimes they'd get running rampant so that's where i was actually introduced to it and you are very right like just being out there doing that it was kind of mind-blowing to yeah. me and i was like man you know that i'm getting paid yeah. to be out here yeah you know and that it's was great. also kind of what gave me the in on being successful at them tribal properties because i was out in the field 365 days a year obviously marking my phone like Ooh, man, that was yeah a good spot. that's a great <laughs> that, point that, that's yeah. a huge rub you, you were make, scouting and getting paid every to. <laughs> single yes, <laughs> yeah clearing properties yep and being like oh since i got the tractor right now i might as well go mow in front of hit that one little inside yeah. corner that i like <laughs> so you would you actually have you, have you actually followed up with some sign that you saw doing that and harvesting. Oh yeah. Oh man. That's, Oh, definitely. That's um, phenomenal. The, the hunt we're about to talk about happened in January in October of that year. I had killed a like mid one thirties, non-typical. Um, and that was actually, I had went to go mow up trail because I was part of my responsibilities was maintaining the trail system that the tribe has for just, um, four wheelers and whatnot. Mm -hmm. It just cuts from what, one part of the housing developments to the other. And I had just finished up mowing or something had happened, but I had to go back on the, um, our side-by-side. And I cut through because we had some new construction going on. I cut through this older trail that we had. And when I popped out, there was just this monster scrape. I was like, oh, man, what is that? So I stopped uh, side-by-side and hopped out and walked that little um, kind of edge line and just seen maybe four or five scrapes. And we had... Uh, um, like company, 
uh, tra- trail cameras, you know, so I always tended to keep one. In Wait, the, you scrunched your fingers when you said confidence. Quote, yeah, quote, unquote. Yeah, because <laughs> we, we got a lot of grant funding. So, yeah, like we'd be, um, I wasn't in charge of writing the grants, but I helped give suggestions on yeah. like, things that we could use for grant money. Yeah, so got we you. got a lot of Cuddyback cameras. and uh, Yeah. Yeah, they just happen to be the same ones that are on <laughs> the Midwest Whitetail show. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, so I was able to use, I see. you know, our Cuddyback camera. Like, hey, man. Yeah. Uh, no, These so, were good. Yeah. Oh, man, I slapped up a camera, and um, that was a Tuesday, and picked them up that night, Wednesday, Thursday. And then Friday, I went back and checked it again because I had checked it on Thursday. Seen him come back both nights and go back by in the Wait, morning. So this is the deer you're about to talk about? No. Oh, no, okay. This is a, a different one right before that. Um, but yeah, that's... Uh, uh, yeah, we can get back to where we're... No, no, no. I, I wanted to... I asked. Like, had uh, you yeah, actually... no, no, Yep. So I had slapped up a camera. And then um, when I went back and checked it Thursday, I had seen he had been back and forth, heading out to go across the street to this cornfield and then heading back to these woods to go, go bed in the morning, what I assumed. Yeah, so then... Friday at lunch, I came back by one last time and seen him head back at like six something in the morning. It was like, oh my God. And went to my buddy Chase, who's my supervisor. I was like, hey, sir, uh, you got to get a couple hours off this afternoon? Check out the trail cam. And, you know, and he looked and he was like, shit, if you got the hours, you know, go ahead, man. We don't, you know, did you finish up everything? I was like, yeah, yep. I got everything, you know, taken care of, man. He was like, yeah, get out of here then. And yeah, and that was my first time um, hunting really out of my latitude saddle. Yep. So I had jumped up in there in the original method. And uh, I had like an Amazon um, phone mount mount. Yeah. Mm. And that's actually what I filmed that hunt on. And that was part of my introduction video, too, that I sent into uh, Midwest Whitetail. So oh, really? And this yeah. was compound bow? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And uh, yeah, man, I, I hopped up in that tree in my saddle on my platform and um, that buck popped out maybe a half hour before sunset, just like he had every other night. Came walking by, I filmed it, popped him. That's so you, maybe. you've done a lot of scouting then as part of your, yeah, your job. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, cool. Yeah. That's, that's really so cool. cool. I'm a little I'm a little jealous. I'm jealous of that, <laughs> yeah. So do you have like a specific dream hunt that you're looking forward to in the future or have already been on? Uh I have three points for Iowa. Yeah. So So that's like up there for you? Yeah, yep. The, I mean, this this year, this Kansas tag is pretty cool, too. Uh, my sister went to Haskell Indian University down in um, Lawrence. Yep, so I had been down there a few times. Not that I was hunting, but there's a few, like, powwows and stuff like that that they have that are really good, and we've been down there. And um, So I'm really, really excited to go to Kansas and, uh, yeah, pop up in there in my one stick and saddle, and, and I'll have the uh, the trad bow and see how what what happens, man. Yeah. I'm extremely excited for you. Like that's that's it a cool should, state, oh, man. It should be fun. Yep. So this might be a dumb question, but when you go out of state, does like do Indian reservations have reciprocity where like you can go to another state and hunt uh, a reservation there, or are you hunting just like standard public land, no, okay. or how does well, that all work? Uh, Kansas, I'll definitely be on uh, public, but. No, you are definitely, um, that's something we're trying to grow actually with my tribe. I sit on the conservation committee here at the Saginaw Chippewa Indian tribe, Mount Pleasant. And that's something that I've reached out to like my buddy down in the Sandia Pueblo, um, Indian nation in uh, New Mexico. They have a huge ranch with, uh, elk, muleys, mm-hmm. you know, and I would like to build that reciprocity because there are a few tribes that honor other tribal IDs like we do. You just, you would have to have you would have to hunt public or private. Mm. So the way ours is, and we're working to change that as more tribes 
may uh, do that, just have reciprocity with each other. Yeah. So when you say you would have to hunt private or public, is there private and public within the reservation? Oh yeah, the uh, yeah the um the, the I mean that's a whole another. So tribes, are, you know, they say that they're quote unquote a sovereign nation, you know, but it's more like a quasi sovereignty, and that is a whole another thing we can go down as well. But basically, there are probably ninety percent of Isabella County is private land. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like I said, this it's it's like the tribe maybe being like a big farm owner in that instance mm. in that for instance saying that they had maybe a thousand total acres 1200 total acres well actually in isabella county i think we had maybe 1600 acres or something like that total yeah so that's you know and it's all like i said broken up into different pieces like we do have like a you know 300 and something acre piece you know mm. and that's kind of like the, the big piece we do have like a 900 acre piece up towards uh Taos. yep and that's like our biggest tribal piece. but that's all private within the reservation or it's public like no I, I no understand. no that's it's just open to like tribal okay yeah okay yep. so it's posted just like every other land in Got the it. sense of uh it'll have uh this land is only open to um enrolled members of the tribe okay or, okay or i think it maybe even just say something about having a tribal hunting license you do you ever have i actually already know the answer to this but do you ever have like issues with people who are not a part of the tribe hunting on the tribal land oh uh, yeah yep yep i mean we used to is it like a common thing you see um, I, I don't, uh, I, I definitely, it's more, it happens more often than it would on private land due to like a lot of the tribal properties aren't maintained in the sense of the way a homeowner would, you know, if we had our 20 acres or 40 acres, you know, a lot of times, if, especially if we're hunters, we're out there, mm-hmm. we, we, you know, as much, you know, without, you know, blowing it up, obviously, but, but yeah, so some tribal properties, you know, the departments that are in charge of those, you know, really don't even get seen but once a year, you know, and other than tribal members going out there and wandering around. Yeah. So yeah, no, it happens, but yeah. for the most part, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. So you said, and maybe I got this wrong, but is there land that the tribe owns that is public to, to other people or no? It's it's nope okay nope. it would be posted so I think just I mis- like I think yeah. okay I think I just misunderstood yeah okay. no we have a lot of public out in the um, east eastern portion of Isabella County okay right on the outside of the reservation we actually have a forty acre allotment that's in the middle of all that public um, mm. yeah yeah because we used to have to go out there and uh, like I said that would be part of our department to go out there that one two times a year to like oh yeah. Nope the property's still here so you yeah that's really interesting that's like a feels like a whole other podcast yeah, too yeah you're you're like a wealth you're of knowledge an, you're an interesting <laughs> person yeah that's a good thing so um two more questions okay okay so but you know besides like the obvious things like your your clothes and um your bow is there is there one piece of gear that is just it just stands out that you will never go into the woods without it like that's that's the most important important piece of gear that you take my saddle mm. yeah what about what about something else um like is there something that you you just man i'm not i'm not a big like gear dude like that like i literally have my rappel line uh you know my rappel my belay device my saddle my one stick range finder grunt tube 
I got a couple screwing steps, uh, but I do have a gear straps case a lot of times I'm hunting public land, but I do have uh, screwing steps though as well, because if something was ever to happen with my saddle, I have a few different ways that I would hopefully be able to upright myself if I was looking like spin around or something like that. But yeah, no, I'm not, I, I don't have, um, nope, nope. There's you're not gear heavy. Nah, nope. I'm, I don't have a lot. I don't Do you take my a... gear out every year this year. The only thing I changed was my gear strap the ultimator came out with a new gear strap and um like i had tried a latitude one two bores banger um and they were all cool i mean they're all gear straps but the ultimator's packs really compact it kind of clicks together and like it, the the hangers are they don't just flop around like so if you set them in a certain position and grabbed one end of the strap they would just stay there you know mm. versus all sliding together and accidentally going bling, 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 bling. yep so yep but yeah no other than that man if i i've run the same saddle h2 saddle right here out of michigan out of brighton michigan um i've ran that for the past two years the two seasons before that i was in latitude stuff um yeah no if it works for me you know i i i i don't know i guess all of this really i feel like this all really helps for the story that we're about yeah, you know what i mean it does it sets the stage you're 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 t- you're giving me the information i want to hear so so this is the last question this it's a deep question and you might need to think about it but and if question, you do we can come back to it at the end you can answer it or something okay. yeah so the question is why do you bow hunt <laughs> <laughs> uh okay um I mean, will this be part of the story anyways? To be honest with you guys, uh, I mean, a lot of my personal friends know, and like people that are my friends in the hunting industry, like I'm my personal, you know, social, like I'm a convicted felon, you know, like when I was younger, like I said, I grew up in Chicago, you know, but um, yeah, when I was younger, I thought it was uh, cool to uh, make money in an illegal fashion, and I ended up getting indicted um, by the feds when I was uh, 22 years old, and spent a few years in federal prison. And uh, when I came home, I had the option to get like a job or go to school. So before I came home, I had my father, <clears throat> who's always had my back, you know, right or wrong, even making the, uh, the bad decisions in life, you know. So that's always been uh, a great example of me, of how I have been as a father as well. Yep, and same thing with my mom, you know, they, they both love me to death. It's just my poor uh decision decision making that led me down that path but yeah no coming home I had an option to go get a job or go to school so six months before I came out um, I had my father put together a couple of college application packets for the University of Wisconsin Eau Claire and then like the Chippewa Valley Technical College and he sent them out to the federal prison in um, uh, Englewood Colorado I was at the medium high out there and um, yeah I had went to a couple of white collar crime friends one was a lawyer and one was a uh, I forgot what the other guy did, but he had did something bad and got, <laughs> and got indicted. But I went to them and was just like, hey, man, I don't, I don't want to go home and do the same thing. You know, like I, I, I can't go home and do the same thing and, and hope that a different outcome comes. You know, so I wanted to do something different. And uh, I asked them if they would help me out with like my entrance essay. And uh, they proofread it for me, man. And I, I typed it up on a typewriter like inside prison and, and uh, packaged it back up and sent it back to my dad. And then, yeah, like... A couple months before um, I was getting out, I called home and was like, what's up, Pops? He's like, well, you got some mail here, man, from uh, from the schools. I'm like, uh-huh. I'm like, what happened? He's like, well, you want the good news or the bad news? You know, in all my life, you know, the good news is that your dad still loves you. You know, that, that's always been the good news. Yeah. So 
I was like, all right, pops, what what what'd they say? Hit me man? with the band. <laughs> yeah, I, was like, I, was like, I was like, let me hear it. He's like, man, you are the only person that I have ever met that got denied entry to the community college. And I was like, no. <laughs> I was like, man, I was like, why'd they deny? Well, come to find out, you know, you have to do like a compass test, a placement test. Yeah. And I hadn't, you know, obviously I was out in Colorado and this is, he was applying, I was applying in Wisconsin. So yeah, no, I hadn't did that. And then uh, I was like, what about the other one? What they do laugh? And uh, he was like, all right, let me read it. And yeah, they were like, um, Robert, you know, we're, we're happy to um, accept you as a non-traditional student at the University of Wisconsin Eau Claire. So January 11, 2008, I was, uh, came home from federal prison and January 22nd, I walked, uh, onto the University of Wisconsin Eau Claire's campus. And then I spent two and a half years there. Um, after my freshman year, I had a, a good friend named Joe Webb, who's now the uh, man, maybe vice president of St. Norbert's College. Um, he was our running back coach for the football team and also worked in the multicultural office. And I would go into the multicultural office a lot, um, just kind of, you know, working my way, coming home from a uh, man, making a, uh, uh, you know, a lifestyle of bad decisions at a young age, you know, thinking that I knew it all when I could have slowed down and, you know, maybe listened to my parents a little bit more. Um, so, yeah, no, he had uh, said, hey, you want to go work out? And I was like, yeah. So we started working out in the athletes gym. And then he started talking to me about trying out for the football team and walking on. And I was like, man, I'm about to be 30 years old, Joe. So, yeah, we went we went and met with Coach Glazer. Like, Joe, and, I'm about to be 30, dog. Yeah. Yeah. And we went, went and met with Coach Glazer. Coach Glazer was 32. And he was like, you know, you're like my age. I was like, man, I've been telling Joe. <laughs> yeah, no, I had uh, I walked down to the football team, man, and ended up making the football team. I, I, no I was way. Like, yeah, so coming home from prison, I was uh, played the season of Division Three college football at the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire, and then that summer I had uh, went with Joan. We tried out for this amateur semi-pro team called the Eau Claire Crush, and I ended up getting uh, injured in like our first game or something like that and yeah I tore my MCL my PCL and my knee and that Dang. was the end of that so but yeah no man that just that that's the kind of the long story behind that I came home though from that with the education and I had been coming back here I have a son who was uh two years old when I had went away and then when I came home he was seven you know so I, I had always tried to make it a point to be a part of his life and I would travel back and forth between Mount Pleasant and Wisconsin from school at least once a weekend every month to see him and then finally I ended up just moving back over here yeah so um, to answer your question that's why I bow hunt uh, and then when I said that I use a muzzleloader that's because within federal properties it's still considered an antique weapon providing that you do not modify the breach to fire modern ammunition yeah so uh yeah. Wait, so you're saying, are you saying that you bow hunt because you can't use a firearm? Uh, more or less. That's kind of like what, yeah, my first weapon was the thirty thirty. you know, that my dad got me over in Wisconsin. Like I said, we started out doing deer drives and stuff wow. like that. But at a young age, I had kind of lost that ability to wow, even, okay. part, like even now, like I go home I and dad's you. like, come on, you can come tiptoe. And I'm like, dad, I am, uh, I, I went that path one time in my life and I'm good. Wow. You know, I really, it, it, it was kind of, you know, the really the, uh, Man, I, so, so, so hold on. I'm sorry to interrupt you. So, do you, you are you like in love with it? Oh yeah, yeah. That was my escape. Like when I came home, uh, not only going to school, that was I was a very unique person on federal supervision because of um, 
me going to school and a lot of other people just weren't on that path. Mm -hmm. And then when I made the football team, um, I mean, I was the president of the Native American Student Association. I was the multicultural issues chairperson for Student Senate. Um, I received the University Excellent Award. Um, and then when I came here, I went to Central Michigan. I was on uh, a man of my team, won our, uh, we have a business competition there um, every year. And in 2015, our team won. Uh, yeah, no, so when I came home, you know, going to school and being outside was a huge, huge part of me finding myself again and understanding that there was, you know, way more to life than the choices that I had been making. Yeah. 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 No. So, uh, yeah. I think he's officially the most interesting man yeah. that we've we had in the buck cave. <laughs> <No. laughs> yeah. So no, it's just been a really, really, um, eventful, you know, learning experience, you know, and it definitely has, it's part of my story though, you know, so I'm not ashamed of that, you know, and I have to grasp onto that because that is part of like who I am. And unfortunately, you know, due to my bad choices, you know, yeah. Well, without like knowing you on a deeper level than what people are hearing right now, like it, it really seems like you're a change man, like completely. I mean, you, I, I, man, I think I was the same person even then, but just, you know, misguided, mm -hmm. you know, like my, um, like now with me having my own businesses and stuff like that, using my energy and stuff like that focused in the right direction, you know, has been key as opposed to having, that's me. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Yeah, no, just having my energy focused in the right direction has been key. You know, it's, it's, has, uh, um, taking the chance to slow down in life, you know, like my, like I said, my father and my mother have always been there and they, and, you know, they've always been solid. Um, so it wasn't like they were like, oh yeah, go out there and run the streets. You know, that was something more of growing up in Chicago, Chicago, you know, yeah. Cause I grew up in the city. Like my father was a truck driver for, uh, Dominic's foods. He was a teamster. So, but he drove a uh, third shift. So he would leave about like maybe seven thirty, eight o'clock at night and make it home about six in the morning. Yep, and that was right back before uh, cell phones, back when it was like beepers. Yeah. Yeah, so dad would call more home about once every 9.30. I'd answer, <laughs> hey, how you doing, Pops? All right, man, love you, drive safe. Yep, I'll see you in the morning. All right, what you doing? Oh, I'm getting ready to go to bed. Hang up the phone and be out the door. Yeah. Know? Yeah, so it was just, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, but it's part of me, man. It's, 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 it makes me appreciate life. and. I love bow hunting. I would never, uh, dude, I told you that was a deep question. <laughs> yeah. I didn't, I, I didn't, told e you. I didn't even get it to the very end. Yeah. Like that came around. Yeah. yeah. Well, that, uh, that's kind of a, when you, as soon as you had said, that's I was taking a drink and that's why I kind of uh, <laughs> laughed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I guess we're just going to go ahead and, uh, we're just going to, well, I was going to mention it anyways, because this, this, this story, like I got this deer January 11th, 2021. Wow. Yeah. The exact day I came home, 13 years later. Yeah, so it. Uh, oh yeah. So he just set it up perfectly. Okay, so we're gonna get into <laughs> the go. story now. Yeah. So, so right now, I want to hear all the details. So, like, if it, we said this before, like, if it takes you a handful of years before this deer actually was harvested to like give us the full details, we want to hear everything yeah, about set it. the stage on it set the yeah, stage no, this, it started in 2019 like i said you know we got we kind of set the stage already you know we was in mount pleasant and, and i hunt these tribal properties and um this was the first year that i was really mobile hunting in the sense of uh, not only with the saddle like i had actually got this deer on the ground um but i had my saddle on that night um because i wasn't sure if i was going to get on the ground if i was going to pop in this little tree that was right close to where i was wanting to go and uh yeah, in 2019, this really nice mainframe eight was um, popping up my trail cameras, and I had that man. I wasn't really like 
I didn't have my own personal goals at that time in a sense of, um, I'm only going to hunt one deer. Mm. So the year before, you know, I had cameras up and I had seen him. Mm-hmm. He was a beautiful deer, probably maybe like one twenties, something like that. And, uh, and that's big for, like I said, the res, the tribal properties that we hunt, um, at times can get overhunted, like extremely. And that was kind of what brought me into mobile hunting was that uh, I would take like my hunting, different hunting apps, you know, and I, I mean, I use Onyx now, so I would just say I'd have my Onyx and I would go through. And as I was working for the tribe, I would mark where everywhere I'd see tree stands, um, mm. anything like that, you know, and yeah. have it in my Onyx app. And then from there, I would look at it from the perspective of like, okay, if I'm a deer and I'm trying to make it through this gauntlet, you know, of all these weirdos out here trying to get me, how am I going to do it? Mm-hmm. And then go from there and look for, um, you know, a different edge, you know, edge runs and things of that nature, scrapes. And uh, yeah, yep. And kind of go from there. So tw- that being said, 2019, I kind of just wandered around the properties and that was my first year of kind of mobile hunting on and off. I had a couple stands set up and uh, yeah, I had bumped into this deer. It was my mom's birthday, November 6th. And um, I was hunting with my bow and it came in, but I wasn't set up yet. I had a uh, was just getting into saddle hunting and I was like fumbling around up in the tree. This and is on, this is on November 6th. Yep. Yep. 2019. 2019. Yep. Which is the first year you yep. found or learned of this deer. Yep. Yep. And, 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 and at that time there was one bigger deer that, uh, I had hoped that I could get, you know, just, but you weren't really hunting one deer. No, no. This was like your first year mobile hunting, yep, running I, some cameras, found this pretty good deer. Yep. I, I do. I, I remember you saying at the beginning, this deer ends up going down in 2021. It was 2020, 2020, no, no 2021. Yep. 2021. Yep, okay. January. So you first learned of him in 2019. Yep. yep. Okay. Yep. I'm just so, kind of setting the stage a little yep, bit. So we're in 2019 and yeah, I was getting set up that morning. It was my mom's birthday and uh, it was the evening cause, uh, I knew I only had a few hours to hunt. I told them that I would be a little bit late for dinner that night. We was having dinner at my mom's. So, and, uh, yeah, I was getting set up in my saddle and fumbling around. I forget what I was doing, but I heard a branch break and turned around, looked over my shoulder and this deer was standing, staring at me in the tree at like maybe 15 yards. And I, all I moved was my head to turn. And I mean, he was like looking right there, right there. Yeah. Yep. So there was nothing I could do, but, um, he didn't run away. He just stared at me and <laughs> to be honest, I was a little bit chubbier than too. So as I was trying to like look over my left shoulder, my neck started to almost cramp up, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I had to look back forward, uh, and let that muscle release. Mm. And, uh, yeah, when I turned back around, he had just like started walking, um, the opposite way of the way he, he had came in, seen me directly in front of him, and then just turned perpendicular and slowly started walking away. So I just kind of walked, watched him walk off into the um, into the sunset, so to speak, and uh, was like, "Man, tonight's kind of shot." So I just climbed down and went ahead, went back to my um, my mom's house and went to the birthday party and whatnot that night. But that was the night that he kind of like stuck in my mind, and. Uh, so I kind of adjusted and started wandering around the properties that I knew he was kind of wandering around for the rest of that season because our tribal season goes until February 1st. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I'll hunt public land as well, and um, then I'll try to fill my, like, my state tag. And uh, because of my tribal tags, I'm a proxy hunter for the tribe. So 
elders can assign me their tags if they still want like deer meat and gotcha you know they're unable to physically get physically get out there now so uh, <clears throat> yeah i've kind of saved them tags and they don't really they they tell me the same thing we don't eat the horns you know so but that works too for trying to hold out for a yeah. mature deer yeah so i kind of started wandering around and i seen them all that winter on camera and then i went out that spring didn't end up getting another encounter with them um how many cameras do you run and what you said this deer in 2019 was just like a, a clean nice eight point yeah okay yeah yeah he, he might not even have been like 120 he you know he might even been a little bit but, smaller but than a that. great michigan eight yeah, point yeah buck. no no yeah. and that's like at that time you know i man, he would have you know i would have loved to have um harvested him i'm not gonna you know it's not like i was just passing him up and, right, you right, know, right yeah no i just uh yeah so that season came and went, and then that spring was when I really, uh, I was full at that. The season before that, I was a seasonal worker for our tribe. Yep, uh, kind of a um, summer worker. And then that fall is when I started working as a full-time employee in, um, yeah, yep, that fall. And so that spring, we was clearing a property for a, a birch tree planting. Yep, and it was also the same area that, um, that buck was at, so I was wandering through the thickets. Like I said, it was a super cool job, man. Like, it, <laughs> it was, yeah, because Chase was in the forestry. I you know, we are, some thickets, you It know? was. I mean, he was in the forestry mulcher, <laughs> so like my responsibility was going behind him, spraying stumps, you know, on the on the side by side. Yeah. So he'd be like, "All right, just kind of hang out." I'm like, "All right, well, hey, I'm gonna be in that thicket." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. So he'd be like, "Whatever, man, go ahead." Yeah. So, anyways, I ended up finding one of his sheds. Yeah, and then, you did. Uh, yeah, you found a shed. Yeah. Yep. And I was like, "Wow." You know, well, you were on the clock. Yeah. I yes, love that. Yes. Yeah. Wait, so he went and sprayed stumps and you No, went, he no, was he sprayed was, stumps. He, I was the stump sprayer. Uh, <laughs> oh, I yeah, see. Yeah, Chase was in the uh, Bobcat working the forestry mulching head. I got yeah, it. I got uh, it. Yeah, we have a... Yeah, the tribe was a cool, cool thing, man. I mean, we had... We worked the Bobcat forestry mulch and we did... Uh, Marshmaster, which is a, a, like a quarter million dollar amphibious vehicle. Built like a tank, has... It, it's like the size of a small tank. And I've seen tracks. those things. I think. And yeah, we go on land, can go in the water. And once you go in the water, you stop your tracks and they have like a little mini outboard. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, does it look like a submarine you can go down? No, like no, of miles no, no. But I am a certified open water scuba diver. Yep, and Are you did, really? Yeah. And we did do dash boat. Uh, Honestly, might be the most, most interesting, interesting man. man. <laughs> yeah. Dashboard is diver-assisted suction, suction harvesting. So, like Eurasian milfoil and whatnot, that yeah. is an invasive species yep. that grows in like water. And uh, yeah, we would dive and pull that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But anyways, man, back to the story. So I had found a shed. You were in the thicket. Yeah, I was in the thicket of things. And uh, yeah, no, I found a shed, popped it out. Chase was like, "Oh man, no shit." Yep. So uh, yeah, that kind of set the stage for that year. So hold, hold on. So it, does this thicket have anything to do with the? Story. Going forward and, and um, I mean, I killed him within uh, 100 yards of that. So maybe so, so let's break down the thicket here because I'm, yeah. I'm wondering like. Okay, so the thicket was these over, I mean, it was kind of an overgrown um, field. It had autumn olives in it, you know, a few smaller like aspen trees and whatnot, but we cleared everything. We had a 20 acre uh, grant that uh, grant and part of the objectives was doing a birch tree planting. So we had went up with the BIA in Sault Ste. Marie, did like timber stand inventory training and whatnot. But like you guys, when you were in there and he was grinding stumps, like what, this was area was cleared out. No, it would, this was still thick. So he was clearing um, the edge of the property and we were working our way deeper in. So as 
before he would clear, I was in the thickets. So I was in the thickets looking through and he was clearing it, you know, kind of mm -hmm. coming towards me as I was walking. Gotcha. Yep. So then, yeah. So we also stopped like, um, st strategically, on uh, the edge line, right where my, uh, tree was that I like to be in my saddle, this, mm -hmm. this one willow tree out in the middle of that, uh, field. Yep. So that's where we stopped with that, um, property clearing. So that created a whole new edge like running 15 yards in front of that tree. Um, and so, yeah, that spring we had did our birch tree planting and everything like that. I would mow it and maintain the, the pathways of that tree planting area. You know? So I kind of monitored that all summer long, and I was running cameras. And nothing special on the cameras that year. That, that was before I was on a show or anything like that. So it was just like wild game and innovation cameras or mm -hmm. you know, Tascos or something like that. And, but I had probably a good 8 to 10 cameras out. Like I had seen it the year before. Looking for this deer. Yeah. Well, the year before I had uh, started using the cameras in the sense of I created like a whole little file system and name it either by, most likely by the buck that I'm chasing. Mm -hmm. And then um, I'll name folders for properties that I have the cameras at. And then I kind of try to mm. fill in the, uh, his travel routes like that way. Um, and yeah, so that, that coming up that year, I knew that I wanted to hunt that deer. And I mean, I was back there. Like I said, I, I would take the tra tractor and finish mowing the pathways and mm -hmm. go put in a clearing real quick in another area where I think he's bedding at and hang a camera. And uh, yeah, no, I got tons of videos of him in velvet growing as the summer comes along, just significantly um, bigger. Than, yeah. Yeah. Like I had posted a few. He's in one, a few of my reels. Uh, I had caught like morning fog videos of him and like four or five other bucks. He's come up to the camera with velvet just shredded off of his horns. I mean, it was like that. It was almost like an obsession. Mm -hmm. Like, and everybody knew about him. Like everybody, like all the other tribal hunters, they knew. So what did he turn into from the, that first year to the second year? Uh, he went just in the upper 130s, yep, as a, as a typical eight. He had a little drop that had must have busted off. That was when uh, you killed him or that yeah, was, yep. okay. Cause that was 2019 and then I hunted him all the 2020 season. But that's also when I got that, uh, not typical buck out of my saddle as well in October. Mm. Um, then I killed another 10 pointer in November. Um, and then got him January 11th of 2021. Oh, so I had, yep. so it was the 2020 season. Yep. Just, yeah. Yeah. Just, just in clicked that. over to 2021. Got yep. it. Okay. But yeah, so that summer was just spent, you know, um, trying to figure out where his bed was. And I thought I had him, man, I swear I thought I had him down and I would just miss him. Like he'd pop up on the camera the day after, you know, I had, I was in that area. And uh, that time too, I had my son, I had a, a, a son um, and he was like maybe six months old. So it was mm -hmm. kind of juggling, you know, a uh, new baby in the family and whatnot. Just, you know, it would limit the time for hunting. But yeah, nope, he ended up getting shot by the uh, a neighbor of the tribal property. Uh, like, no, sometime during the rut. Yep, because it was before Thanksgiving. And that older gentleman was uh, a really nice dude, but he had met me and my friend chase or my supervisor chase out there when we was clearing that property and come out and me and him actually well he was there actually the day i found the shed and um he started talking about that deer like oh yeah he comes out and eats on my apple tree and i actually have a uh a, 
he called us his food plot, you know, but it was just like a big right. ass pile of corn and apples that he had out there. <laughs> and, uh, it's so, a food plot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, no. So he was talking about him and then end up in November. I had seen that guy maybe in December. I forgot what I was doing. I was out there for work anyways. And he flagged me down and um, he was like, yeah, man, I shot him. And I was like, what, the big one? I was like, because I haven't seen him at all. And he was like, yeah, I shot him on a, I forgot what day he said. And he was like, yep. I tracked him to the neighboring edge of the property and I got permission there. And then the blood dried up on me as I went into that, uh, that property. Um, and so I didn't know what had happened to him. So I didn't see him at so, all. So hold from, on. So your buddy had told you. No, the neighbor, the, the neighbor. neighbor. Yep. The neighbor, the old man older, neighbor, yep, off, this old man the neighbor that had the, but he, he, he told you that he he thought he killed the deer that you yeah ran. yeah it was before thanksgiving but he never but found he said he didn't find him yeah he said he shot him um with his gun did you fully believe like that, that it was dead. that deer yeah yeah no uh he he had uh pictures of him the year before um okay. like yeah that's what like part of like our conversations he busted out his own trail camera pictures and was like yeah i know what you're talking about got it yeah yeah so no. you you were probably pretty upset um i was really really bummed man cuz i had seen him Man, maybe up until like November 10th. And uh, like I said, it was just cat and mouse all season. But it, I I can't, uh, I guess, put into words how many different like stands and how pressured that piece of property is. It is like you can literally see the casino in the uh, like distance. Like I could see it from where I killed them at. And then... Um, so not only are there other hunters, but like kids that are on their ATVs, mm-hmm. uh, UTVs, uh, kids just walking through, you know, um, in the morning time, you know, it, it, yeah, just a bunch of different things would happen and it wouldn't be a prime scenario. Mm-hmm. Yep. So yeah, no, I didn't see him at all for the rest of November and then December, man, I want to say like the 12th, um, he limped in the video. Yep. He limped in the video on a whole nother piece of uh, tribal property. That was like, because we was probably a half mile from the tribe's casino in Mount Pleasant at this point. Mm-hmm. Now he's probably, he's literally across the street from the casino. Like I said, where I killed him at, he was behind our elders' um, home. They have a maybe 20 acre chunk of nothing but oak trees. And, and so you just had cameras scatter plotted across a lot of properties. And you just. Once, yeah, once I, I had lost him at the. Um, <clears throat> Over at the other property, I had pulled a couple cameras from there and just expanded the search. So when he showed up on the camera by the casino, had you ever had him on camera near that location no, or at that location no, ever in the whole ne- time you've never, been hunting the deer? Never. Yep. But he had limped up. He wasn't using his front leg, his front left leg. Yeah. Um, and the way the old man described it, he was like, I didn't plugged him i was 50 yards in front of him and i was like i was gonna let him turn but i thought he was gonna run so i just shot him straight on i put so he missed to the one side yeah he must have pulled yeah because uh he limped on uh on camera yep it was sometime around the it wasn't yet the middle of the i know it was around like the 10th 11th or 12th or something like that i'd have to look at the um the videos um but yeah yep nope he was still alive and he was actually traveling with this other buck that I had uh, started calling the Brokehorn 10. And uh, I actually killed that buck the following year. And he was my biggest buck ever. He just went under, went just under 150. Um, 
but yeah, so I did, picked him up on camera over another property that one time, and it was uh, maybe like one in the morning, and from there, I kind of seen where his butt was pointing. So it was pulled. a cell cam? Like yeah. it sent you photo? No, 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 no. I'd have to go in and check. You him. went on yeah. and checked him. Okay. Yeah. But like I said, the, the, it's just unique how some of these properties set up and then me working for the tribe, like I was able to like mow my, like if I knew that was a, 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 a great funnel, mm-hmm. I would have me already a little prepared path. Like, yeah. uh, like it's the more difficult now, now that I'm not working for the tribe and I have to kind of just wander around like everybody yeah. else in the sense of not having the tractor and the equipment to do it. Right. Um, but yeah, no, nope. I had um, pulled my cameras down from that other area. Not all of them, but the ones that I had on the further edge since I seen them in this other area. Yep. Mm-hmm. And kind of uh, put a little net and I had four cameras up on that 20 acre piece. Yeah. And then he started popping up randomly. Um, and, but he would always travel we had this artificial hill that when they were building one of them tribal buildings and they had to dig up all the dirt, they ended up piling it up next mm-hmm. to this woodlot. And so this artificial hill is maybe like, I don't know, maybe 40, 50 feet high mm-hmm. and like three football fields long. So it, it like literally goes and makes, I mean, it has trees growing on it, That's like a it's, huge but hill. it was just an artificial. Yeah. Yep. But I mean, it has like grass, juniper trees, poplar trees, like it, it's <laughs> like a hill. It's like a hill. Yeah. Yep. But he would travel the edge of that. Um, hmm. And I was able, and it was right behind our tribal museum, right behind our tribal elders building. And uh, yeah. I so kept, very visible. Like yes. A lot of people saw this deer. Yes. I mean, my mom seen him running across the road in front of her, heading back to work. Like it was. So uh, was this deer like used to, because, because it's clear that this deer like felt pressure both from people hunting him and people who weren't hunting him, like just people riding ATVs and walking through and doing whatever else. So was this deer like somewhat used to the human pressure and was it at all hard to like figure out where he's living? Cause you said yeah, like the it, thicket where you picked up a shed, you guys were going through and clearing that sucker. Yeah. Yep. This was, um, yeah. So he had, uh, it, well, what made it, interesting is that i couldn't find where he was bedding because of, like i said how close he was in that museum and mm-hmm. um i mean i i still to this day had no idea like i had tried to, i well i didn't i i do have to say i didn't just dive into the woods though like yeah. you know um so i would just kind of peek around try to get cameras into the edge of where i felt i so wasn't edges. pushing in um, how often were you checking cameras probably once a week once a week yeah but yeah. you weren't but diving had, deep you got, into you, thick you know, stuff. You got to figure were... I have a dozen cameras out there. You yeah. know, so I'm not checking all 12 the same day. Right. You know, so every other day I'm checking a couple, three or four, hmm. you know, adjusting them, something like that. Um, so, yeah, I would be. Uh, but you are right. He, he, you know, he was used to a certain amount of, uh, like I said, kids coming by on the UTV. So that yeah. did work in my favor for getting in there and checking that stuff. You know, but at that same time, like as this started slowing down, um, the the hunt for him is when I had applied at uh, Midwest Whitetail. Like I, I had always been a fan of Midwest Whitetail. And then like when we'd have our slow days at the office, I would walk it. And then actually, um, or eventually our IT department had actually blocked the Midwest Whitetail uh, website mm. from my computer. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> because <laughs> Why would they do that? <laughs> 
So, and uh, yeah, no, so I've been a fan. And then, like that was when Bill Winky was on it still. Yeah. And I had seen the Michigan team and they would always have cool stuff in the beginning. And then, man, and I would just wasn't seeing very many kills towards the end of this at end of the year or just seeing, yeah. you know, and uh, so I was like, dang, I wonder if there's any opportunity for growth. Yep. And uh, went to their website and seen that they had an application process and filled that application out at that time. And <laughs> they sent me the application. Sorry about that. They sent me the application. And part of it was filming uh, like an introduction video. Yep. So as I said, man, my uh, supervisor, Chase, was uh, or is a good friend of mine. And that was actually my um, my cameraman, quote unquote, who was uh, applying to be on the show with me. Yeah, so we had um, actually used another friend of mine who had all the camera equipment. Like, I didn't even have the camera. Like, I was filming, like I said, for my phone, um, using one of the Amazon phone holders. And then for Christmas, my fiance got me a, um, a Canon similar to your guys's. Because mm-hmm. uh, she knew that I had enjoyed filming that season. I had got like four of them, uh, four of my kills on film. Wait, so your girlfriend bought that for you? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's yep, wonderful. She, uh, yeah, she got my uh, first camera, and then that's uh, kind of how I got started. And I had just applied. Are you still dating this girl? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my wife, my mother, my really. Children. Yeah, yeah. She made the podcast. Yeah, she's that man. What's up, man? <laughs> <laughs> She'll be listening. Yeah. But yeah, no, man. And she had got me my first video camera, and I had, uh, like I said, I had already applied at Midwest Whitetail, and sent they sent it in, sent back an application that had asked. The, a bunch of questions. You don't even know I got in trouble when I was younger. You know, I've never had like a hunting violation. I've never had like I I, I thought it was okay to sell drugs. You know, and um, and not only like I used it and partied. It wasn't like it was a, you know, I <laughs> yeah. It was more like misguided mm-hmm. partying type of deal. You know, so yeah. No, I've never been. You know, I've never had any hunting violations. Never had any like violent violent anything's and nothing like that um yeah no i just made a few mistakes man and truly learned from them and um bettered myself and bettered my life for it yeah and yeah that's when i applied at uh, midwest whitetail and they had sent us back the application and said get your video together and so when i submitted my video and application um i also put an email a picture a trail camera picture of uh this book did he have a name just the main just just the big eight the big had, eight just the big eight so I had, he is big that's a big eight so i had put that uh he's got a little a bit of mass eight. he's massy yeah massy and tall yeah no that was a uh, that was awesome it was a uh, uh super buck so you just for, said hey i'm gonna kill this buck just wanted to let you know uh pretty much yeah i said i have one tag left i have one particular deer that i've been hunting all season <laughs> I'm just starting to catch up on him, and I think I'm going to uh, close the deal here within the next couple of weeks. Yep, and uh, I believe it was Josh uh, that had replied back to me, Josh Sparks, and he was like, okay, man, we're going to love to see it. That's a slick deer. And two weeks later, I sent him that picture of me holding him. Let me see that. Yep, and uh, yeah, so it was January 11th, 2023, and he had um, went back to the... Uh, like where my tree was that I had um, been picking him up and the artificial hill, that thicket was in between 
those two little areas. The thicket where yep. you found the shed? Yep, yep. the okay. old thicket. That's the way that, how that lined up, that tree mm-hmm. planting went towards that little hill area. And uh, yeah, I had been picking him up the last two days because I went and checked my camera the day before that. And like for two or three days each night, he had come just walking along that edge line, coming in uh, along the hill, like moving from, like I said, I don't know where he was bedded at. I know the general area, but I have no idea why there wasn't like thick stuff over there. I think maybe he felt that since he was so close to like that little building that yeah, and there was, just, I mean, there was acorns and everything all throughout that um, woodlot. But yeah, nope, that day before, January 10th, I checked my camera, seeing that he had consistently been coming in. Like I said, the other buck, the Brocorn 10, they would both just walk by with a couple other smaller bucks. And This is January, okay. So yeah. are they, is there food around? Like, is there, no, no, so no. he's consistently showing up in January. Why is he there? That, the only thing I can, well, that woodlot is nothing but like oak trees. Okay. Um, there's a few maple trees in there that we'll tap for. Was there a lot of mass crop? Y'all, it was everywhere. Everywhere. I mean, because they're, like I said, this behind our elders building. So we had an old, like, uh, path that was partially made. They were going to make, like, a walking path through that woods. It was never finished. Mm. So a lot of times that, like, autumn acorns would just fall. On in, the path. On that path. And that path started off right along that, uh, that big hill. So, yeah, no, I had watched him. And then um, that January 11th, that afternoon, I had parked just um, in between that hill and the casino. And I was probably maybe 300 yards away from there. And uh, I I put my saddle on and grabbed a little, uh, um, those little heated, not the heated seat, but the little puffer, Mm -hmm. little seat, just in case. Yeah, it says... Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. yeah. The the camel on one side and the orange on the other. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I got one of those. <laughs> yeah, so I had grabbed that because I wasn't sure if I was going to pop up in this little tree, um, but I knew I was going to that hill. I knew I was accessing from that hill and going to just pop over that little um, artificial hill and drop down on that edge line and just sit there. And um, yep, I had my muzzle loader. That was one of the um, times that I had uh, taken my muzzle loader out. And um, when I got over that hill, I saw this little juniper tree and sat down next to that juniper tree and broke a couple branches off. And yeah, set up my cameras, talked a little bit in that video about juniper being a medicine that, you know, tribes use, or not a bunch of tribes, but that our tribe used to use back way back when for respiratory issues and stuff like that. I think that's when COVID was just starting to come around as well, uh, was that winter. And uh, yeah, yeah, they use that juniper tree with a mix of like cedar or something like that and you can use that to boil it and make a tea out of another help with like respiratory issues and things of that nature and yeah man I, I set up and he came this I mean that part was uh just cool in the sense of he did the exact same thing he just came by again him and the broke horn tw- uh, 10 I never even seen him as soon as I glanced up and seen some brown, he was leading the pack. And I fired up my Canon, um, my cell phone, because I didn't have like a second camera or anything like that. Like yeah. I just balanced my cell phone in the snow, pointed back up at me. And uh, yeah, everything came together. I was able to uh, get the camera on him. That was the biggest thing. And when he came walking in, there was two big oak trees. So I kind of set the camera 
thinking that he was gonna continue to slowly walk you know down that path yep well as soon as i set the camera i put my muzzle loader and went to shoulder my muzzle loader and it has like a rubber um i don't know butt at the end of the stock mm -hmm. well that squeaked against my camo um like really loud i don't it, wait so the the butt of the gun squeaked yeah, like on your I, clothes yeah i don't know what it hit hmm. but it hit perfectly to where when i raised that butt up against my shoulder it squeaked and that stopped him from um walking and so i could still see him but he hadn't cleared that first tree yet into the full frame so i put my weapon down and readjusted the camera and then let him take like one more shot or one more step and squeezed off a shot. Um, as soon as the smoke cleared, I, well, anybody that's on with a muzzle loader, you know, once you fire, it's kind of that, you know, all you see is white for uh, two seconds. Right. You got to let the smoke clear out of the yeah, way. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, I couldn't, I was, I hit. So hold, hold on actually. Were you like nervous when you saw this deer? Were you calm? Were you like, oh, there he is. Were you like, I can't um, believe it. Like, what, what, what were you thinking? Man, honestly, and this is kind of how it's been, is that, um, I, man, I visualized it. You did? Like, I, I visualize it. Like, I truly do. I, I envision that he's going to come, that they're coming tonight, and it's night. And, every and, time you go out? Every time. How many you know? times do you think total you sat for this year? Oh, man, probably 30. A lot. Oh, yeah, hmm. yeah. Do you think he was on to you? Um, oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. That's why I wasn't able to, um, I mean, he was smart too, to where he would avoid the camera like that. I guess I, I, I should have put that, that cause that's part of the story as well as that he, I would only get like one picture, one video of him and then that would be it. He would go around. It wasn't that he wasn't, wasn't moved on. He would see that camera and yeah i would just catch him slipping quote unquote and uh your ability to bob around and find him in a different spot i feel like has everything to do with like you killing him like if you were limited to like a 40 acre parcel oh yeah after that guy shot him he was gone that would have been like yep. your season for that deer yeah that would have been it yep yeah but yes you, definitely but, but you had you pulled your cameras you're like i'm gonna go find him you had some different spots to go and try to see where where did this deer relocate to when he got shot yeah no it was uh that's that's cool that that yes yep i totally agree with that because had i been restricted even at 20 acre tree planting right you know it would have been over with yeah you know? and then the neighbor whoever was on that other 40 acres that butts up to that yeah, yeah would have yeah. right yeah would have got down so yeah no man so i had only got that one shot and to be honest once i fired the um you know the smoke was there i tried i like was almost on my belly on the hill trying to look underneath um and i my first reaction was to go low i hit like the snow and was like oh yeah that's right the camera so then like the, in the video that i had uh like i edited it out about like 30 seconds of the camera just staring at the same spot because i'm on the ground <laughs> looking trying to look under the smoke and then yeah. you see the camera <laughs> And that's me trying to, uh, and yeah, I just yeah. moved it around. I hadn't, didn't have the deer in frame at all. <laughs> yeah. So I did end up getting the kill shot and, uh, yeah, man, I was able to film, you know, the recovery I was self filming. So that was part of, um, the real first time that, uh, I gained the confidence to be like, man, I can do it. You know, I, I can do it on my own. 
because Chase had started having um, just a family. And st- Oops, sorry. Chase started having uh, things to do with his family yeah. and whatnot. And we couldn't, you know, it takes a lot to commit to being able, you know, with two people, you yeah. know, linking up our schedules with work, with family, yeah. you know, it does, you know. So that's why I give a lot of credit to the guys that, you know, they have their camera team and for them guys to be able to coordinate with each other and work with each yeah. other like that. Because it's it's difficult, even like with my fiance, she saddle hunts, she hunts, and she self filmed her first uh, deer she ever got last year. Yep, she was determined that she was going to do it, and um, loaded up our e bike, came home, and I watched the kids and made dinner, and she jumped on the e bike and left our house, went to the tribal property, bumped into another hunter, and was like, oh yeah, no. Have I'm going good, over good here. luck. I'm heading this way. Yeah, went in there and hopped in the stand, fired up the GoPro, gave her own interview, and. Uh, yeah, and then texted me right before um, last shooting night. And I was like, there's still does out in front of me. I was like, you haven't shot anything yet? And uh, yeah, so she ended up uh, taking a really big doe that night. And uh, we used a thermal drone to find it. Did you? Yeah, so it was... Uh, That's cool. It was a pretty cool thing. So when you actually put your hands on this oh, deer... Oh, man, I have a video for it, man. I, I wish that, you know, there was a way to... Uh, I wish there was a way for the viewers that are listening to be able to hear. I mean, I, I war hooped if they've, you know, there's, you know, and I mean, yeah, no, just, um, it was the biggest deer I had ever, you know, seen, seen. Yeah. In person. Yeah. And, um, to been fortunate enough to do it. That, that was, it was just wild. You know, it was snow on the ground. It was cold. Um, you know, once the gun season happens, and even that late muzzleloader, you really see the drop off of people that are in the woods. You know? Yeah, and, uh, and that contributed to it as well. You know, yeah. there definitely wasn't as many hunters out there towards the end of the year as there was when you know we were all trying to get them. You know, so I think that you know he let his guard down. And right, you stuck yeah. with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but the, yeah, to put my hands on that deer, it was a, a really culminating feeling you know um i was elated and then as i said just the date you Mm -hmm. know as i reflected back that next day i had um, brought him back out to where i got him and filmed like my closing um little interview and at home that night is when i realized that it was uh january 11th and i was just like wow um to see the life change that i had made and was fortunate enough to be blessed with you know the opportunities that i have since then 13 years you know that was a long time that i had eclipsed it's been 15 now you know and uh i feel like i'm just starting to hit my stride and uh, yeah me too yeah it's uh life is good man i i, I love life yeah do you uh is there when it when that when you think about that specific deer is there any one thing that sticks out that led you to i don't know really close in on it and like actually harvest them is there anything that sticks out um man i i i truly uh i'm a a big trail camera person i enjoy the most um recent intel that i can you know to a point yeah uh, like i said i don't wander in and just wander all over the place checking the cameras um and the way i do place them you know i try to get the most bang for my buck in the sense of i'm going in during a rainy time or something like that and trying to get my stuff so you're not willy-nilly with that you really put a lot of thought into 
your cam replacement process. Yeah, like I said, then that's the, how I label them. You know, like this uh, coming year, I have two bucks that I'm gonna be chasing around. I'm keep my eye out for this really, if this really, really big mainframe ten. He was probably in the one fifties last year. Really? And yeah, and he's uh, just a huge deer from Michigan. I I've, I haven't gotten any pictures of him, but the, I know he lived on the uh, airport up in Mount Pleasant, and that property is not hunted. Um, so the sheriff's department went in there and did a call hunt this spring, and they killed like thirty something deer. Um, so unsure if he was part of that. Yeah, I haven't had a picture of him this year yet. But I do got a few solid ones. Yep, a few solid ones that um, I'm going to be uh, trying to key in on. Yeah. But I'm, I'm excited for Kansas. You know, honestly, it, uh, I love hunting here. Uh, but I want to get down and go check out the plains and check out those creek bottoms yeah. and stuff like that. And, are you planning to film that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything. Everything will be filmed. Yep. Um, what are you using? What, what I'm gonna, camera gear? I'm going to have a painted arrow. Uh, that's the answer yeah, I wanted. Yeah, I'm gonna have a painted arrow uh, <laughs> on my trad bow for at least one angle. I love that. Yeah, but yeah, no, I, I have a Canon XF400 um, camcorder. That's my main camera. I am looking at maybe getting like the Sony EV1, um, the new. Uh, I'm I'm looking at maybe moving over to like a mirrorless or a DSL or a DLS. Yeah. DSLR. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think we got to hook you up with a with an arm. Have you seen our arm? I have not. You're going to like that. We'll show yeah. you that. After Especially the... if you got like a GoPro or something for second angle. I'm actually think I'm going to go like 360 camera. I'd work for that too. Yeah. 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 We'll show you. Okay. Yeah. So I guess closing out this, this hunt, um, I guess, is there any advice that you would give to your younger self getting into bow hunting, getting into hunting in general? Yeah. I'm, and I, and it's something that I still try to do is uh enjoy it enjoy the moments that's there you know we're we're life is a really big journey you know and a lot of times we're focused on our goals and the things that we want to accomplish you know because the only true moment that we have is this very moment in the present right now every other moment is either in the future or the past you know? so I truly truly appreciate my time out there in the woods and as my younger self, I really wish I'd slowed down then and appreciated what the creator or God has blessed us with, you know, just being outside, you know, because that's what's helped guide me along the, the right path, you know, in my life now. So, yeah. yep, no, I would just tell my younger self to slow down and truly enjoy the moments for what they are, you know, that life is, you know, is about our journey and not the destination. Wow. I love that I love answer. That. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I mean, we have a series that we've done for one year now, so this will be the second year, and it's called the Moments series. Yep. And it kind of it kind of goes along with what you just said, in the sense that these we we think about it all year, right? All year we wait for these moments. Yeah. And yeah, just being able to be be there present. at that time and just smell the smells, like. Everything about what's happening right there. It's, it's the uh, it's the saying, "Be where your feet are." I love it. Like yeah, you gotta you gotta just be in that moment. Well, yeah. everything everything is about balance, you know. Because you know, I preach that to my children. Use your imagination. You know, read books. You know, you don't you, just because your feet are here means that your mind can go elsewhere. You know, yeah. but 
that being said, you know, everything is about balance. And I try to get that across to my sons, especially, you know, because they're a part of me. And I, you know, see some of the same traits in them that I've seen in myself. And so I want to help focus their attention into healthy things and stuff mm-hmm. like that, you know. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, I, Bobby, I really appreciate you coming in to share your story with us. I mean, it's it's really special for us to have people here come to our, our you know, no this is awesome man i i love the studio this is awesome i appreciate it yeah Yeah, we we've worked hard on it and it's it's really cool because we you know we built it you know that Mm -hmm. that's makes it really special for us but yeah no seriously though having you come share your story talk about your your life it's it's awesome so i know people are going to enjoy it you're you're really interesting i think you you have a (laughs) lot of different facets of of your life like you, you you dive you no, it's you drone a... you hunt <laughs> you, you got a lot going yeah no I, I also do Brazilian Jiu Jitsu as well my dad's uh, uh, one of three Native American black belts in the world under Carlson Gracie that doesn't yeah. even surprise me yeah, we have our own gym yeah, Chokoyu Gym in Tomo, Wisconsin if anybody's passing through and does Jiu Jitsu uh, stop by and see Bobby Senior you know? Bobby Senior yeah Bobby my senior. dad will be there yeah tell him Chubby Bobby Junior sent you and <laughs> yeah he'll take care of you I love that. Well, as we close out, is there anything, I guess this is your episode, is there anything you want to plug, say? Yeah, um, yeah, just uh, like uh, we had said earlier, you know, uh, my name's Bobby Hart, and be sure to tune in to Midwest Whitetail, the Heartland Show, the main show, you know, you'll see my hunts on there. Check out my YouTube channel, I Saddle Hunt, and then, yeah, if anybody needs any kind of drone work, um, we travel across the country, LiDAR Drone Services, LiDAR Drone Services. Yeah. that's cool that I, that's cool stuff that you you do for I, sure i think that's awesome because there's so many different applications for that too and again a totally different podcast but yeah awesome bobby hart that one hunt thanks for coming in and yeah, thank you guys yeah thank you tune in next week and thank you guys see ya, Perfect. See ya. Perfect.